Amen. Well, I hope it's been a blessing to you. I know that that song is the Bowsfield's favorite song. So if you're watching at home tonight, I hope it encourages you and I hope that you'll get well very soon. Well, we're going to meet with our missionary, Brother Steve Donnelly, at this time. We're going to ask him a couple questions and ask him about his ministry in the north. He's been in the north for a long, long time. And I'm going to, I'm going to save uh, and let him tell you where he has been because there's a lot of weird names like Tuktiyaktuk and places like that. And I don't want to risk sounding foolish, but he knows the names. He's got them down pat. So, uh, Brother Donnelly, is he there? All right. There he is. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. And uh, we're glad that you were able to join with us tonight. I'm a little bit glad of to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. I'm just going to be quiet as much as I can. I'm going to let you talk. Can you go ahead and share where God has led you over the years and the extent of your ministry. I know you've started several churches now. Yeah, the Lord's been good to us. He's asked us to serve him in the far north. Uh, we've focused mostly on the Inuit First Nations and Métis, wherever we've been. And it seems as though God's uh, allowed us to do that. We're very thankful. Uh, in the far north, we lived in the community of Inuvik, for uh, well, we were in Inuvik and in the far north and the mission field for uh, you know like over thirty years. Um, while we were in that area, we did live in uh, a little place called Aklavik, uh, which uh, right now Brother Larry Nolan is there. Aklavik um, is the place of the bear uh, in the local Inuvialuktun uh, wording. Uh, Inuvik is the place of man. And then uh, uh, the last place that we served in the far north was a place called Tuktoyaktuk. And that basically means resembles a caribou. And uh, that's, where, that's where we spent our time. Again, focusing on uh, exclusively First Nations, uh, Inuit, and Métis people. And uh, currently, the Lord moved us as we got those ministries to a place of maturity uh, as you, as you all folks well know, Brother Riley Featherstone is the pastor in Inuvik now. Already mentioned uh, the uh, Nolans who are in Klavik, and uh, we turned the work over in Taktoyekta to Roy Justine Stelzik, and you you know them well. And so that uh, allowed us as as the old folks to make a move to the sunny south. And uh, so, and you say how far? Well, we're in Wayne Worsh, Yukon. And uh, that may not seem like south to you, it's, but it's, uh, it's uh, the tropics to us. And we are through, thoroughly enjoying uh, serving the Lord here. We're starting a ministry uh, called Northern Light Baptist Church. And we're sharing the gospel, again, focusing on in your First Nations and Métis. And so uh, that's where we're at. That's what we've been doing. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, last summer, my... Uh, my uh, my son Austin was supposed to go work with Riley, and then of course COVID hit, and now uh, uh, he's hoping to go up there again this summer in one of the works that you started, so it'll be a blessing uh, to see some pictures and hear firsthand what God is doing in that church that you and your wife, Lois, spent so many years in. Now, uh, what are some things that we can be praying for you specifically, Brother Donnelly? 
Well, one of the things that we would like to see here is uh, um, we've got a wonderful place to meet on uh, Sundays. We're able to rent a hotel space and uh, works out real well. It's right in the downtown core and uh, we enjoy it, but we would really like to have a place that we could access for a reasonable uh, amount of money on, on Wednesdays. Right now, actually when I finish with uh, this service, uh, about an hour later, we're gonna have church here in our home and we'll have probably, uh, it could be 10, it could be five, it could be, who, who knows uh, what it'll be. And uh, so we, we really do need to kind of secure up a better meeting space. Uh, the one on um, uh, Sunday is great. Uh, I'd like to find a better facility, something for us to do on Wednesdays. And another thing that I think that we could, uh, I could be just really open with you and ask you to pray about is that, uh, uh, you know, we'd like to have someone to come alongside and help us here. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm six years old. I'm not, I'm not dead yet, but uh uh, you know, a church uh, needs to have young people, needs to have some two people sometimes that if I'm needed to go and, and not be here because of uh, health or family or furlough or whatever, somebody can take over. And so we are looking for someone to come alongside and help us here and then uh, see a smooth transition to somebody in the not too distant future. Um, and so please uh, be, be praying about that. And uh, other than that, we're just very grateful uh, for your prayers and support through the years. And so if you'd add those things to the prayer list, we, we'd really appreciate it, brother. And we, we've been praying for your wife and some health needs, and how's she doing right now? Actually doing well. The uh, concerns uh, with her hip, arthritic hip, and uh, in the Northwest Territories, the situation was she probably was going to need it replaced. And Coming here to the Yukon and a little bit different climate and uh, terrain and whatever. Uh, actually, we have sidewalks here in Whitehorse. This is, this is a big deal to us, all right? Uh, sidewalks. And um, uh, she's able to exercise a little bit better. And so she's doing better. Uh, however, you know, uh, this is an issue that's going to have to be addressed at some point. But, but she's doing well, and we really appreciate your prayers. Amen. All right. Well, we just want to thank you for your faithfulness all these years. You know, I was thinking about this, that we have seen a lot of churches in Canada started over the years, and then they fizzle out. But the churches that God has allowed you to start, they're still going. And I think that's because you've always called a man beside you, trained him, and let him take it over, and, and uh, biblical missions. And so we appreciate that example, and I think it's a good example for other missionaries to follow. Don't, don't just, I always, I always struggled when a pastor would leave a church. A, a shepherd doesn't leave a sheep unprotected. And uh, I appreciate you always finding a pastor, always making sure that those sheep are taken care of. And so thank you for that example. We're going to have you go ahead and preach to us tonight. So we'll, we'll get rid of my face and we'll just let you fill up the screen. And uh, when you're done, brother, you just go ahead and, and have a word of prayer. You won't hear from me again. We're just going to let you preach. And you can close in prayer, and then I'll come up and, and take over. And, and so you do whatever God has laid upon your heart. Uh, it's good to see you again, Brother Donnelly. God bless you, and we'll look forward to hearing from the Word of God. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate that, Pastor. Thank you. I appreciate uh, the uh, fellowship that you give me. We're not close, but um, as far as distance, uh, we're pretty far away. But uh, your folks can need to know that 
just about every Saturday, your pastor um, texts me. And uh, it's not just a, a text that is like copy and paste. It's a text where we kind of converse back and forth one or two times. And it means a lot to have someone that really, really cares. And we, we really appreciate that. And uh, as well, I, I just want to put uh, you on notice and the church on notice that I showed him a text picture of the setup that I have here. And I told him, I said, brother, you owe me a steak over this. And of course, he came back with a very smart response and whatever. And uh, But I love you for it. And uh, I love the relationship that we have. So, uh, so brother, God bless you. And our prayers are with uh, your wife and the recent loss of uh, her mom. And so we... Uh, uh, we lift you all up in prayer very much. Well, uh, we're going to look in the Bible tonight, and, and I invite you to take your Bible, if you would, and go to the book of Leviticus, chapter number 16. Leviticus, chapter number 16. A um, long time ago, a uh, very long time ago, I preached a message, and Brother Fury uh, heard the message, and he, uh, when I came to this church there years ago, he said, boy, I'd like you to preach that message. And uh, I didn't I didn't have my notes with me. Uh, it was one of those things that I just I couldn't do it off the top of my head. And so I felt really bad. And uh, So I, I but I, but I preached something else. And he said, well, someday and I made a promise someday that I would. And so um, uh, when I was invited to uh, preach and to uh, be here tonight and in and, and this site, type of a situation uh, over, over live stream. Uh, Lord gave me an opportunity to dig up those notes. And, and so I want to preach tonight a message that uh, I've entitled uh, by the hand of a fit man. And you may have heard this message or a message like this before, but uh, it's a message that speaks to me. And uh, I hope that you'll be challenged by it. Uh, in Leviticus chapter number 16, if you would find uh, verse number three, I'd like to read a few verses. We'll skip a few and we'll read, read a final couple verses. But in Leviticus chapter number 16, if you'd start in verse number three, I'll read the Bible says, Thus shall Aaron come unto the holy place with a young bullock, bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. And he shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh and he shall be girded with a linen girdle, and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. Um, a few more verses. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering. One ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall, Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat, 
he shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. Now, if you'd find later in that chapter, verse number 18, we'll finish off this thought uh, from, from Scripture. So uh, chapter 16, verse number 18, the Bible says, And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it, and shall take of the blood of the bullock and of the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. And he shall sprinkle the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities into a land not inhabited and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. And so, this uh, seems like a, an odd place for a, a, a message to come from, a mission message to come from, but I, I, I think you'll understand as we proceed through this. This is the passage here in, in the book of Leviticus uh, about what is referred to as Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement uh, for the children of Israel for, on a nationwide level. There were different uh, atonements that need to be handled. Uh, you saw here as we read that uh, Aaron had to take care of his own cleanness and his own uh, 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 righteousness to be able to uh, serve the Lord in this capacity as the high priest. And um, it was Yom Kippur, an exciting day. This was one of the biggest and the most uh, uh, greatest days of all the the Jews' religion back at this point in, in history. And it, it was quite the spectacle. Uh, I think as you read along with me through the, uh, the, the passage, you recognized the, the, the priestly garment, the, the, the spectacle that that was, uh, a lot of white and uh, the mitre, the big tall hat that went on his head and all the, the, the various ornamentation that was on Aaron's garments. It was, it was just a, a very, uh, quite, quite a thing to see. And um, uh, all of the procedures and the way things were done with uh, such exactness. And it was, uh, it, was, it was really something to behold, I'm sure, and a big deal. It was quite the spectacle. Uh, and, and you have to realize that uh, along with all this beautiful um, uh, white clothing and, and, and or ornaments and stuff, uh, there was the stark contrast of the blood of the animals that were being sacrificed. And uh, there was, uh, you know, he fling his fingers and there's other places in scripture that it was to the east and to the west and the north and it was all around and it was a it, it was bloody. It was a, quite the spectacle. Very, very noisy. You can't get a bunch of people together 
and for not to have noise. And there was interaction that went on at this particular uh, time of the Day of Atonement. You know, and uh, this, in a sense, was a, 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 I would like to liken it to possibly like our salvation, you know. Uh, boy, that should be a wonderful thing. That should be an exciting thing. That should be quite the spectacle. Maybe not down here. It could be very quiet. It could be something that you do in your in, in the privacy of your own home. It could be sitting there in the pew as you bow your head and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. It could be that at the altar you'll, uh, in, in humility, pour yourself out before the Lord. Uh, but But that's what we see down here which might be very subdued. But what you see and what's going on up in heaven is that there are angels rejoicing when someone trusts the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, they're saved and they're born again. So this was, this was an amazing uh, spectacle that was uh, uh, probably very fascinating. You know, uh, probably even the youngest of the kids would have uh, been, had their attention uh, arrested and as they looked and they watched and they saw everything that was going on. It was a, a very significant in, in, in the fact that first, first of all, uh, as I've already mentioned, Aaron had to take care of uh, his self as far as his pureness and his cleanness and his ability uh, to perform the duties of the high priest. And so he had to personally be, uh, uh, ready to do this job. And let me, let me just ask you and, and, and challenge you. And I, first of all, challenge myself. Are, are you ready to do the Lord's work? Is there something that you need to take care of in your life so that God can use you to accomplish what he has called you to do? Is there something that you just need to get out of the way and handle and deal with uh, the Bible had in the Old Testament the rules for Aaron to follow for him to get right. And the New Testament has a way too. we we come before the Lord in prayer. and We uh, to just uh, bring ourselves to him. and We ask him to uh, make us meet for the master's use. We we walk away and we we turn from the, those things that we know that are wrong and encourage you to do that tonight. It was national redemption. It was a nationwide thing. And I uh, appreciate your pastor's attitude saying we need to pray for our national leaders. Uh, we need to have a national righteousness for national blessings. Uh, um, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And, uh, and so we do pray for our nation. And we do pray that uh, God would give guidance and leadership uh, to the mind of uh, every leader, no matter what political party that they're part of. Uh, they are uh, doing a job uh, for us, and we just pray that God would give them uh, direction and help. But as we move on in this story, uh, there was uh, uh, more that applies than, than just these real general thoughts. Um, uh, there was a lot of shedding of blood that needed to be handled and taken care of. As you, as you remember the story, there were two goats. Uh, one was killed, but one was not killed and left alive, and he would be the scapegoat. We'll explain more about that. But there had to be the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sins. Um, the scripture tells us in Hebrews 10.10, 10, by the which we are sanctified through the offering 
of the uh, body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standing daily, uh, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for his sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there had to be the, uh, the, the, the remission of sins, the payment of sin, the payment of sin of the uh, innocent dying for the guilty. And so uh, there's this, well, the, the understanding of the Passover lamb that was slain and that Passover lamb was sort of like a, a family pet for a year. And then after that, it had to be slain, an innocent, perfect little loved one. My goodness, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ was innocent. We know that he is, uh, was not guilty, but he bore on us the guilt of our sins and our iniquities. And that is how our sins are uh, forgiven and paid for. But I think as well, it's important to understand in this story that there's, there's an important, uh, that scapegoat is pretty important. We don't hear a lot about that. It's made its way into our verbiage and our uh, terminology and vernacular. Um, but that scapegoat was uh, a part of actually the, the removal of sins. What do you do with them? Yeah, we can forgive them, but how, is, how are they, how, how, where do they go? What do they do? And so this, this was a physical picture of the removal of our sins. Just as important as remission, just as important as the uh, the shedding of the blood, but let's get rid of those sins. And the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 17, and there are sins and iniquities, will I remember no more. Now where the remission of sin is, there is no more offering for sin. You got to get rid of it. There's no more offering for that. And so they uh, uh, th that's the picture of that. And, and so it was a very important part. Yes, the uh, the Passover lamb was important. Yes, the remission of sins and the slaying of that, uh, that goat was, was powerful. But in order to make the whole thing complete, that scapegoat can't be ignored in that story. And so let me just back up a little bit and, 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 and let me just uh, kind of approach this from a story standpoint and, and, and allow you to, to think of it in, in this manner. You see, uh, that day of atonement, as I mentioned, it was an amazing day. It would have been quite the spectacle. And wow, can you imagine the moment when, when Aaron stood up in front of all the, the children of Israel and everybody, wow, look at that. What a magnificent thing. And the, and the loud cries of the animals and, and, the, and, and the blood and, and uh, boy, it, it was something else in the, in the, in the slitting of the throat of the, uh, of the animal. It would have been uh, terrible and fascinating all at the same time. And, uh, uh, and Aaron was the guy who was in the public eye. He was the high priest. He was the guy who everybody from every angle, from every focus and vantage point, they were looking at him. And uh, uh, he was the one that uh, sort of was the, the, public uh, example of the priesthood and of, of what righteousness really truly should be. And so uh, what amazing thing that would, he would be, Bible talked about putting blood on his finger and he shook it different ways. And, and I'm sure there would have been blood stained on this and that and the other. What a, 
a fantastic thing that was. And so let me put it this way. He goes and, and, uh, and, and he does that. And probably every little boy in, uh, uh, that, that viewed that, they would have viewed it and they thought, boy, you know, you know what? When I grow up, I want to be just like Aaron. I want to be the one who, who cuts that uh, goat's throat and, and gets to dip his finger in the blood and shake it. And I, I want to be the one that stands up there with that, that beautiful uh, white outfit and that big uh, tall hat on, that mitre, the Bible calls it. And, uh, and uh, all the little boys would have been doing that. I can just imagine maybe after it was all over and the day was over, Aaron went wandering, going back to his, his, uh, his home and his, his household. And boy, and everybody was, oh, Aaron, good job. That was a wonderful thing. Nice, nice, uh, beautiful ceremony, how powerful that was. And maybe his son was over in the corner going like this and shaking his finger. What are you doing, son? Oh, dad, I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you and, and, uh, and, and be the priest. And, oh, he'd pat him on the back and say, well, you, you're my son. And so, yeah, you know, you, you are in the bloodline that you can do that. Probably other little boys around the Jerusalem were probably uh, in their rooms or their areas of their homes that night and doing the same thing. But uh, their dads had to tell them, no, you know what, you... Uh, you're not of the bloodline of Aaron. You, you, you can't do that. And so uh, I'd like to just say, you know, God gives some men the ability and the blessing to be those guys in the public eye. Our whole uh, group of preachers in Canada, there are some guys that are great to have in the public eye. They can handle the churches of four and five and 600 people. They can handle the ministries with multi-million dollar budgets. They can do that. And God bless them. But you know, not everybody can do that. We all can't do that job. Some of us go to places where there's 20 people in church. There's 30 people in church. Some of us go to places where uh, there's no pomp or circumstance. And God has something for all of us. You know, in your church, there are, there are ministries that are out front and, and very visible. And then there are those ministries that nobody really knows about. So we talked about the throat slitter. We talked about Aaron. Now let's talk about the other guy. Remember we mentioned him in chapter 16, verse 21, and, Larry, uh, and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over him the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man in the wilderness. You see, while the congregation and everybody was looking at Aaron, and when all that was done and he put his hands on that goat's head and he confessed all the sins, everybody was excited and the hand of a fit man, a regular guy, not in the priesthood, not somebody that could stand in front and endure the fishbowl of the ministry, but just a regular guy took a hold of that goat and he went dragging him off. And I don't know much about goats, but I know this, any kind of an animal, uh, you can lead it for a while and you can push it for a while. And then for a while, if you want it to go somewhere, you had to drag it. 
And I can see him getting a hold of that goat and it walking fine to get away from the crowd. But when that goat got tired, that man said, hey, I got to take you a little bit further. I got to get you clear out in the wilderness. He drug that thing by the hand of a fit man. And as he did his duty, everybody was still looking at, at, at Aaron and everybody was still excited about the pomp and the circumstance and everybody shouting uh, amen or whatever they did back in those days. And off he goes all by himself, dragging a goat into the wilderness. Equally important. Not only did the remission of sins take place by the sacrifice, but what happens to those sins? What happens to, to, to carry them away for eternal security? That's something very important to you and I. What happens with those? Well, the goat dragger drags that goat out into the wilderness. And it's equally important in the cause of salvation to have something be done. Redemption would not be complete without the scapegoat and the removal of the sins. Bible tells us in Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And so God takes our sin and he takes it as far as the east is from the west. And if you've been in church, you know the story. You know that you can go round and round. You can go to the North Pole and you go to the North Pole, you go to the South Pole and there's an end to that. But if you go east, you'll go east forever. You go west, you go west forever, and you never get to the East Pole. You know, so it means that they're far away, they're gone. That's important. And we need people to serve the Lord on a national level. They're willing to go to the places where there's only going to be a handful of folks in church. We need people that are going to serve the Lord uh, in as pastors in in. in Churches where there's going to be maybe 50 at the best ever. And we're going to need in our churches people that are willing to do the job that after the doors are shut and after the live streams turned off, it have to be somebody that's going to stick around and clean up and somebody's going to have to turn the lights out. Somebody's going to have to go in and look at the washrooms and make sure they're clean. And somebody's gonna have to turn off the lights and somebody's gonna have to sit and count the offering and log it in. Somebody's gonna have to run to the bank and put it in the night depository by the hand of a fit man. You know, just as Aaron returned home and probably his son wanted to be just like him. And as I said, maybe many of the, the sons of, of, of all across Israel, they wanted that job. I don't suppose there was any of them saying, you know, dad, I want to grow up, be a goat dragger. Except, I wonder if when that goat dragger went home, he's walking home and he, he's not going to the nicest area of town. He's not going to the best area. He's going to probably an area that's a little bit, uh, a little bit rougher. And all the all of the candles and the lamps are blown out, and it's dark after he gets done dragging that goat out to far into the wilderness. But over there's his house, and there's a lamp burning in the window. 
And he walks in there and he smells kind of like goat and his hands are kind of cut up and uh, from dragging that thing and he's tired and he's exhausted and there's nobody applauding him when he walks home, but he, he walks through the door and he goes up to a very appreciative wife and she looks at him and she grabs a hold of him and she says, honey, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for being the man that you are. I saved you some supper. Would you like some? I'll warm it up for you here. So oh, thank you, honey. And they sit there and as they look at each other and eat and hear a little noise in the background. And they go behind the covering or wherever it is where his son maybe should have been sleeping. They peek around there and son's going like he's really grunting and playing and doing something. What are you doing, son? Oh, dad, I want to be a goat dragger just like you. So I'm encouraging you, no matter who you are, no matter what God, job God gives you, you do it to the very best of your ability. There's people watching. Your cause is as important in the whole picture of things working together. You're needed just as much as the guy that's in the limelight. You know, they need, the gospel needs to be in Whitehorse, Yukon and trying to reach the Inuit First Nations and Métis and the gospel needs to be in Simcoe, in Toronto and in Aklavik. The Bible needs to be preached and taught everywhere. And each one of us need to do what we can do. Let me conclude it like this. Long ago, not, not real long ago, but uh, uh, we used to have different light bulbs than we have now. We have LEDs now. Uh, back in the day, we had light bulbs that were measured by wattage. So in your house, if you had a dark room, you'd get a 100-watt bulb. You put that in, a 100-watt bulb, and boy, it really make light, bright light. And Sometimes you didn't want such a bright light, and so you'd put a 60-watt bulb in. And you know, that kind of makes me think of, uh, it goes along with this story. You know, there's there's guys, there's people there's th that can handle the 100-watt spotlight. They're the ones that can, can you know, they're really blessed of God to shine bright, and, and boy, they have the the silver tongue, and they have the grasp on the English language. And praise God for them. And then there are guys that are 60 waters who, who, who maybe aren't as eloquent in speech. Maybe they're not as organized to be able to handle a church of 500, but they probably can handle 50. There are people that could maybe do uh, uh, something in church that's really um, uh, visible and some of them are not visible. It's kind of behind the scenes. Point of the matter is, you got 100 watts, you got 60 watts. You burn it all for the Lord. Every single ounce of your ability you give to the Lord. And God takes that and, and meshes it all together for his honor and his glory that he would be glorified. Say, Brother Donnelly, what are you? Well, back in the day, you used to open up the fridge you look in the fridge and there was a 40 watt bulb burning in there. 
And up in the in the in, in the freezer, there'd be a forty watt bulb, a utility bulb, clear. And uh, you didn't know it was doing anything. You didn't know it was working until you checked it out, pull open, look in the freezer. There, it's working. I guess that's what I am. I'm a forty watt bulb in the freezer. I'm doing the very best I can for the Lord. By the hand of a fit man, find out what it is God wants you to do, and do it to the very best of your ability for God's honor and glory. Somebody's watching you, might be your child. And I say, yeah, I want to be a goat dragger just like daddy. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father in heaven, I ask you to work in our hearts and help us to understand that we all need to engage the enemies of God at the level that we can. And Father, there are some that are going to slay thousands and and there are some that, Lord God, are just going to be able to just fight the battle. And some, Lord God, are just going to be able to stand. That's about all they can do. Dear God, I pray that we would do it all as unto the glory of God. Give us men and women who serve the Lord who are fit to do so, that are not substandard, that are certainly a vital part of the cause of Jesus Christ through the local church in this day and age. So, Lord, we thank you so much. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Brother Donnelly. And great message. It's so important that we understand that not everybody's going to be Aaron, but some of us are, how important to our salvation that that scapegoat was taken off in the wilderness bearing our sins. And we see the picture of salvation, but the hand of a fit man. And we all have a role to play. We all have a light to burn for the Lord Jesus Christ.